Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled The Cities of the Statue, Part 3. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Last week, in our episode, The Cities of the Statue, Part 2, we continue to learn about Nebuchadnezzar's disturbing dream. It is a portion of that dream we looked at as it professes a very long time period, the end of which is still very much open. Last week, we saw the meaning of the chest and arms of silver. The chest and arms of silver bear out many significant issues. First, and probably foremost, we see the bear known as the Achaemenid Empire. King Cyrus the Great of the Medo-Persian Empire is in rule from 539 B.C. to 331 B.C. In this episode, we will look at the belly and thighs of bronze. They are the leopard. It is the Hellenistic era of Alexander the Great. The primary government is the Greek Empire from 331 BC to 146 BC. We continue with the passage telling us which part of the statue we are now examining. As for that statue, its head was of fine gold, its chest and arms were of silver, its belly and thighs were of bronze. Daniel chapter 2, verse 32. Note, brass is used instead of bronze in some Bibles. Either way, notice our Bible says, its belly and thighs were of bronze. Notice also, first gold for the head, then silver for the chest and arms, now bronze, brass, for the belly and thighs. Notice, too, there has been an animal associated with each major country or form of government. First, the lion, then the bear, and now the leopard. This has an aspect we should start to be aware of as it is completed with the next Two episodes. We will examine this better in our last episode. Until then, keep it in the back of your mind. It goes to end times prophecy. I should point out that brass and bronze are interchangeable in scripture. Both are a golden type of metal in the day. Closer to today, some musical instruments were made with silver or had silver plating. These were about the only more modern uses of silver outside of money, which is now clad with copper in the U.S. coinage. When silverware eventually came into its first iteration, it was originally made of silver. In those days, it was solid silver except for 
any alloy required to make it strong for the intended use for eating. These are just two of the more modern uses for silver, not originally used in the day we are talking about here, outside of money and possibly dinnerware for the well-to-do. Moving on. Now, after you, another kingdom will arise, one inferior to yours. Then a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule in all the earth. Daniel chapter 2, verse 39. Of this, commentary says, Brass, the Greeks, the third empire. Daniel chapter 8, verse 21, chapter 10, verse 20, and chapter 11, verses 2 through 4, were celebrated for the brazen armor of their warriors. Jerome fancifully thinks that the brass, as being a clear-sounding metal, refers to the eloquence for which Greece was famed. The, quote, belly, end quote, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 32, may refer to the drunkenness of Alexander and the luxury of the Ptolemies, Tyrenus, over all the earth. Alexander commanded that he should be called, quote, king of all the world, end quote. Justin, 12, section 16.9. Arian, Campaigns of Alexander, 7, section 15. The four successors, Diadachi, who divided Alexander's domains at his death, of whom the Seleucidae in Syria and the Lagidae in Egypt were chief, held the same empire. From Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown Commentary, Critical and Explanatory on the Whole Bible. 1871. We should also notice this comment. His belly and his thighs of brass. A baser metal still. This points at the Macedonian or Grecian monarchy set up by Alexander, signified by the quote belly, end quote, for intemperance and luxury as the two quote thighs, end quote, denote his principal successor, the Seleucid and Lagidae and Syrian and Egyptian kings, and these of brass because of the sounding fame of them as Jerome. From the New John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. That should bring a bit of clarity to the previous commentary. For more clarity, Let's examine Daniel chapter 10, verse 20. He said, Do you know why I have come to you? Now I am about to return to engage in battle with the prince of Persia. When I go, the prince of Greece is coming. Daniel chapter 10, verse 20. Commentary on this passage says, Prince of Grecia, or Greece, shall come. Alexander the Great, who conquered Persia and favored the Jews, Calvin, rather as the prince of Persia is an angel representing the hostile world power, so the prince of Grecia 
is a fresh angelic adversary representing Greece. When I am gone forth from conquering the Persian foe, a fresh one starts up, namely the world power that succeeds Persia, Greece, Antiochus Epiphanes, and his antitype, Antichrist, but him too, with the help of Michael, Israel's champion, I shall overcome. Jazir. From Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown Commentary, Critical and Explanatory on the Whole Bible, 1871. Commentary also says, And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia, or Greece as we know it, shall come. Meaning, when he has gone forth from the court of Persia, having done his business he was sent about, confounded the schemes and baffled the designs of the evil spirit, conquered him, and obligated him to give way and cease from being troublesome any more, and obtained peace and rest for the Jews and settled their affairs. The Persian monarchy being translated to the Grecians, the evil spirit began to work among them to put them on doing mischief to the people of God, as in Alexander himself, who set out against them, but was pacified by the meeting of the high priest and from especially in his successors, and above all in Antiochus, who was a violent persecutor of them, which his clause, as well as the following prophecy, has a respect unto. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. It would appear that what we are seeing in Daniel is possibly, basically, real time. However, it clearly moves into the supernatural in a future time that is less future to us today, but in some ways still a bit future, even for us. Commentary told us the Persian monarchy being translated to the Grecians, the evil spirits began to work among them to put them on doing mischief to the people of God. So, the Grecian form of government is not dead. It is, in fact, being translated into the Grecian form of government. Not so nice a government as it once was. Notice, too, we are now talking about the Antichrist. Only three of five parts to the statue, and we are already seeing the Antichrist on scene and at his evil work. In spiritual form? Yes. In actual form? Well, kind of, sort of. People who suit the need at the time, but not the one and only Antichrist of the New Testament. Prophecy speaks of his return. However, the real Antichrist awaits for the time to be right 
in his mind for a return in a most deceptive form. However, once again, we are getting ahead of ourselves. Notice how this statue moves from worldly things to evil and dark heavenly things. Quoting commentary again. Rather, as the Prince of Persia is an angel representing the hostile world power, so the Prince of Grecia, Greece, is a fresh angelic adversary representing Greece. Can you see how this statue is about more than just what it basically appears to be? This statue is more than what it first appears to Nebuchadnezzar. We see this in Daniel's interpretation of it. Let us look at Daniel chapter 11, verses 2 through 4, from previous commentary, which reads, Now I tell you the truth. Three more things will arise for Persia. Then a fourth king will be unusually rich, more so than all who preceded him. When he has amassed power through his riches, he will stir up everyone against the kingdom of Greece. Then a powerful king will arise, exercising great authority and doing as he pleases. Shortly after his rise to power, his kingdom will be broken up and distributed toward the four winds of the sky, but not to his posterity or with the authority he exercised, for his kingdom will be uprooted and distributed to others besides these. Daniel chapter 11, verses 2 through 4. There is a lot to unpack here. Notice there will be four kings in Persia. Notice also that we aforementioned that. The Persian monarchy being translated to the Grecians. Obviously, all this happens at vastly different periods in history. On a historical note, Alexander the Great, in roughly a decade, takes over Greece as well as many other countries. Also, Persia is the name for Greece for a period of time. Then, the Roman Empire begins to emerge. Rome grows exponentially in a short period of time. Notice, too, Jesus' birth is still to come. It is getting closer, but it has not yet happened. Yet, we are seeing the physical fulfillment of the prophesied Daniel statue coming to pass in man's history. Some information provided by the Khan Academy. More about this organization can be found at www.khanacademy.org forward slash about. I think it is clear to see that this statue is far more than what it appears at first. It is greater, a testimony of not just the days that are, the days that will soon come, but also days well into the future, including our prophecy 
of which we struggle to solve today. It is only when we start to look at the belly and upper legs that this comes to better light and understanding. However, thus far, only the beginning of prophecy can be interpreted to any proper current degree. This, along with what we know today, that is solid and true. Further commentary reads, And by his strength through his riches he shall stir up all against the realm of Grecia, or Greece. Through his vast riches, which are the sinews of war, he collected a prodigious army out of all provinces, which he raised to make war against the Grecians, being moved to it by Mardonius, a relation of his, who was very ambitious of being at the head of a large army. Three years were spent in preparing for this expedition, and forces were gathered out of all parts of the known habitable world, out of all the West, under Hamilcar, general of the Carthaginians, with whom he made a league, and out of all the East, under his own command, his army, according to Justin, consisted of 700,000 of his own, and 300,000 auxiliaries. Diodorus Siculus makes it much less, to be about 300,000 men. But Dr. Predo, from the Herodotus and others, computes that putting all his forces together by sea and land, by the time he came to the Straits of Thermopyla, the number of them were 2,641,610 men. And Negrotius, from the same writer, reckons them 5,283,000, to which others add 220. With these, he marched into Greece, where, after having done much mischief, he was shamefully defeated and obliged to retire, and was murdered by Artabanus, the captain of his guards. The words may be rendered, he shall stir up all, even the realm of Grecia, Grecia is what we today call Greece. As we said, he shall stir up all, even the realm of Grecia, by the preparation he made and the vast army he brought into the field. He raised all the cities and states of Greece to combine together to withstand him, and this step of his is what irritated the Grecians and put them upon latter attempts to avenge themselves on the Persians for the attack upon them, and which they never desisted from till they had ruined the Persian Empire, which they did under Alexander. And so he, in his letter to Darius, says, quote, Your ancestors entered into Macedonia, and the other parts of Greece, and did us damage, 
when they had received no affront from us as the cause of it. And now I, created general of the Grecians, provoked by you and desirous of avenging the injury done by the Persians, have passed over into Asia. End quote. And it is for the sake of this, the destruction of the Persian Empire by Alexander, that this expedition of Xerxes is here hinted at, and to pave the way for the account of Alexander and his successors in the following part of this prophecy from the new John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. Quoting from last week, quote, The Roman Empire was the post-Republican period of ancient Rome. As a polity, it included large territorial holdings around the Mediterranean Sea in Europe, North Africa, and West Asia, ruled by emperors. From the ascension of Caesar Augustus to the military anarchy of the 3rd century, it was a principate with Italy as metropole of the provinces and its city of Rome as sole capital, 27 B.C. to 286 A.D. Although fragmented briefly during the military crisis, the empire was forcibly reassembled, then ruled by multiple emperors, who shared rule over the Western Roman Empire, based in Milan and later in Ravenna, and over the Eastern Roman Empire, based in Nicomedia and later in Constantinople. Rome remained the nominal capital of both parts until 476 A.D., when it sent the imperial insignia to Constantinople. Byzantium, ancient Greek, Byzantium, following the capture of Ravenna by the barbarians of Odesser and the subsequent deposition of Romulus Augustus. The fall of the Western Roman Empire to Germanic kings along with the Hellenization of the Eastern European Empire into the Byzantine Empire, conventionally marks the end of ancient Rome and the beginning of the Middle Ages. From Wikipedia, Roman Empire. Also, remember this from last week as well, the dream and its interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream a great metallic image which was terrible to look upon, but a statue, and, as is manifest from the following description, a statue in human form. Quote, the world power is in all its phases one. Therefore, all these phases are united in the vision in one image. End quote. The appearance of the colossal image was terrible. 
not only on the account of its greatness and its metallic splendor, but because it represented the world power of their fearful import to the people of God. From Kyle and Delich, Bible Commentary on the Old Testament. Remember from last week also, Nebuchadnezzar saw two impressive things among many more. However, here, there are two things we should take note of given their great importance. The foremost is the fact this was indeed a human form statue. However, here is the first and probably the most stunning statement of this image. It is the fact the statue is actually different world powers at different times. However, the entire statue is always a world power. As commentary states, quote, the world power is in all its phases one. Therefore, all these phases are united in the vision in one image. End quote. This is a huge comment on this passage and the statue seen by Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar saw much more than a simple statue of different metals and clay. This commentary passage further states, The appearance of the colossal image was terrible, not only on account of its greatness and its metallic splendor, but because it represented the world power of fearful import to the people of God. Wow, what a statement! This is why knowing the four known elements of the statue is important. It is also why knowing the fifth element is extremely crucial to all men and women of God today. Maybe you can see now, as the statue's elements become more base in composition, we see better where fallen man is headed. What final rule will govern the world we presently live in before the final rule of our king? What things we will and may see before we exit this life by death and resurrection, or by plain outright uplifting into our new bodies? Never dying! Then, such an end plays out as it was prophesied so long ago in the Bible. Next week, we will examine the fourth of five elements of the statue in the Old Testament. Our series is titled, The Cities of the Statue. So far, we have three. Next week, we will have four. Then one more to make this study full. A final six-part will wrap this all together into something usable for end-times knowledge. Play or download next week's episode titled, The Cities of the Statue, Part 4, from one of our podcast hosts. Or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This 
Study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. We have even more information. Check out our mobile, tablet, and desktop compliant website. It is a subdomain at site123.com. Our site link is unchurched.site123.me. This website is where you will find additional information about us and the podcast platforms we are in syndication with. Find direct links to all our platforms under the podcast menu item. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast platforms. Please use the search phrase, Church of the Un-Churched, to find us on a podcast platform like iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, or Spotify, to name a few. Note, please use the dash symbol and not the word dash when you search for us. We refresh our RSS feed with every weekly episode upload on Sundays, U.S. Eastern Time. These sites update our feed within 24 hours and sometimes less of our refresh. If Podomatic has any server issues, all linked episodes on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher will be unavailable for the duration of the server downtime. We therefore post all episodes on our backup host, www.podcast.com. That is podcast with an S. Again, our site address is www.podcasts.com or go to anchor.fm forward slash unchurched. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.